ladies and gentlemen and all of us who are neither indoor both welcome 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 back to trans louisiana the podcast of the louisiana trans oral history project my name is sophia ziegler this podcast features sections from the oral histories gathered by the louisiana trans oral history project which aims to collect share and preserve the voices of louisiana's transgender and gender non-conforming communities. You can learn more about us at louisianatransoralhistory.org and by finding us on all your favorite social media platforms. This podcast also aims to lift up members of our communities in many, many ways, including our Song of the Month selection, in which we feature transgender and gender non-conforming musicians. So be sure to stick around to the end of the show to hear our Song of the Month this month, it's called Beautiful Heartbeats. I really like it. I hope you do too. We also take the time to thank all the people who make this possible. This month, I'm excited to thank Shannon and Jamie, whose generous donations will help us continue to pay for our musical guests. Later, I'll tell you how you too can be a patron of the project and get a special shout out on next month's episode. But first, we'll be hearing interview segments from my time with Danny Dean in January 2021. By way of introduction and context, Danny is a trans woman in Calcasieu Parish, which is a parish in the southwest of the state, and which, as we'll hear more about, was the site of two significant hurricane landfalls in 2020, specifically Hurricane Laura in August and Hurricane Delta in October. It was truly devastating for everybody in the path of these storms. A few other things, Danny mentions being born in New Iberia, which is the parish seat of Iberia Parish, and is about 20 miles from Lafayette, Louisiana, if that helps you sort of picture that. And I should say for our non-Louisiana listeners, when we say parishes, you can just think counties. That's just a thing about us. I don't know. I just live here. Lastly, I'll say that this interview deals with heavy things. And though the word suicide is not mentioned, Danny's struggles are talked about with great feeling and great honesty. And I know that many of us still struggle from trauma associated with storms. So we're all in different places. Please take care of yourself, friends. Okay, this meeting is being recorded, everybody. Hello, this is S.L. Ziegler sitting down remotely with Danny Dean. Danny is a trans woman and uses she, her pronouns. Today is January 21st, 2021. I'm so happy to say that. We're meeting remotely using Zoom because the COVID pandemic is still, still very scary. So Danny, as we discussed before, this interview is part of the Louisiana Trans Oral History Project. The goal is to gather real world examples of what it means to be trans in Louisiana here in the early 21st century. Uh, I'm so I'm so delighted to have you here. I, I, I really feel like we're, we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about. But I wonder if you'd be willing to just sort of start at the beginning. So could you tell us where you were born and when? Born in New Iberia, Louisiana in 1971. And you're, and you're still in New Iberia now, is that right? No, I'm actually in Calcasieu Parish. So if you look at where the two hurricanes met, there you go. Were you there for that? We evacuated Ponchatoula for both storms. And the two storms we're talking about are... Um, Laura and Delta. Which both came through in 2020. Yes. Um, yes, okay. I'm, I love my hometown. I don't want to live there. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have that opinion about where they're from. Uh, I love the history and culture of my hometown, but um, I, I outgrew it by the time I was 18, and trips back has reminded me why I'm, I'm comfortable being elsewhere. I'm correct in, in understanding, right, that you were, not, you were not out as a trans woman 
No, I, I did not know the term transgender until probably 1995, 96. Um, I knew that things didn't work between mind and body. And, and I would act on that and, and, and guilt. And, and there's a lot of religious guilt involved in that. It really wasn't until, and this is kind of sad, I really did not get online until like 1995 mm-hmm. when I went to seminary. And that's when I learned the term transgender and started saying, okay, yeah, that's, that's what, who I am. So you, you learned the term in tr- transgender while in seminary. In seminary. The yeah, it, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, the most conservative Southern Baptist seminary on the planet. Louisville, Kentucky. Can you just talk a little bit about your decision to go to seminary? I grew up Catholic because growing up in the 70s in Iberia, there was more Catholics than people. Uh, but I always felt like there was more. Than what I, and my family, after a while, after my parents got divorced, um, we were pretty much nominal. My extended family, I had an uncle I was convinced was the Pope. But for me, I knew there was going to there's more. And, and when I got to Mississippi, I wound up in a Baptist church. And in that Southern Baptist church, I made my public profession of faith, my personal profession of faith. And about a year later, after going on a mission trip and having various opportunities in churches, I really felt like I was being what we call called to the ministry. And so uh, I started directing myself in that direction, knowing I was going to be involved in church work somehow. And since I was in a Southern Baptist church, uh, it was probably going to be related that way. I went to Southern Baptist College, who gave me scholarship money for being a ministerial student. So I committed to serving within the Southern Baptist Church. And uh, I actually, ironically, at that time, I went to Southern in Louisville, Kentucky, Southern Seminary, because your earlier Dr. Al Moeller had become president. And he brought this wave of changes because Southern was so liberal uh, he actually moved away to the right. And it's like, okay, well, because he's done that, I want to go there. And that was kind of my mindset because I was actually trying, a lot of it was guilt from from knowing that I wasn't, and I didn't know how else to say it wasn't right, that I needed to try to fix myself. And, you know, I thought faith would do it, that, that going to ministry would do it, pastoring would do it, seminary. And, you know, you, you can't chase who you are out of basically. But it sounds like maybe you tried for a while. Oh, I did. Up until a few years ago, it took a lot of theological deconstruction for me to accept me. And it's still a work in progress. I wonder if we could just talk a little bit about what that progress would be, if you don't mind. Is that right? I've been pastoring since uh, 2004. I've been here since 2010, 2009. After my dad died, I really felt like I wanted to be back closer to home. I was in Arkansas at the time, and we ended up back here. And it's close enough to home to be home, but still there's enough distance there that I'm, I'm happy with. So to, to whatever extent you feel you feel comfortable, I wonder, would you be willing to talk about, uh, again, that the struggle? Is, is there anything that you'd want to say about the 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 struggle between then and now? Or oh, Yeah, I don't, I don't mind, no, because it's part of my story. I think... Yeah. Until a few years ago, I thought I was the only one in in this kind of position. And, and in my search and in my struggle, I discovered I'm not alone in this. And and so their stories helped me, and maybe my story will help somebody else. Because I know I'm not alone. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your family. I'm not out at home. When he six, 27 years ago, when my now wife and I first got together, 
uh, was sitting on her parents' couch in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she was a student up in, in Ohio at, at a college. And between that kind of leaned a little more left, between that and people she worked with, she went on a very homophobic rant. Um, and even though I wasn't struggling with my sexuality at that point, in a way I can't, I was as not knowing I was transgender, um, I realized, okay, this is not anything I need to talk about. I just need to get fixed. And, and we have, I've struggled with that. And it's because I know my wife, because of stuff I've heard her say over the last 25 years, but also the last couple of years, very transphobic. She and my son got into an argument right before Christmas because he thought she was transphobic about something. And so that for a long time, I hid myself away because I didn't want to lose my kids. My kids are my all, my everything. They're, they're 19 and 23. They're still my babies. And I could not have imagined not having them in my life. My, my daughter, the oldest one, she is my world. And, and I, I did not want to lose them for a while. And so I, I, I hid myself away. I locked, I locked the closet tight. And so do they, do they know? Have you talked to them? No, no I haven't. And I, this is the hardest part of this, the fact that I, <sighs> these two hurricanes just totally screwed everything up for us. Because honestly, I expect the worst to happen. I hope for the best, but I expect the worst. And if the worst happens, I'm, I mean, if I come out at church, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have a job. I'll be fired on the spot. I'll lose my house, and I can't sell my house. You could see it. I've got no walls on the north side from hurricane damage. Uh, I owe more on this house than it's worth right now because of hurricane damage. And so I really imagined when all this started last year, when I really started moving this direction, that all this will be taken care of by COVID happened and then hurricanes happened and any timetable I have is just totally gone. I wonder what you think of this question though, because I've, I've had the good fortune to talk to several people who, who came out either to themselves or out to their family, friends, et cetera, during 2020. Uh -huh. um, and you know, some of that is, uh, because of their own personal journey, for sure. And a, but a significant portion um, of folks have, you know, ind indicated in some way that just the external events of the year add the amount, you know, appropriate amount of stress or the appropriate perspective to sort of push that through. And I wonder your thoughts about that. If, if you think, if you think the events of the world happening around you ha has any effect on your journey, I think so because we realize just how delicate things are. And with the last administration, I've become political. And I used to be a lifelong Republican, understand. The, the, the hatred in the last administration, I think, probably pushed people. It's like, okay, I got to do this now before I don't have the freedom to do it. I actually, in spite of as crappy as 2020 was, February, I started on Spyro. Yeah. Uh, and then in July, August, I actually started on e-patches. And so... The hurricane was August 26th, 25th, 26th, 27th. We evacuated the day before. That, that, 
was a source of sanity for him. Because this is what we are during that time was probably some of the worst I've ever experienced. Because I was trapped in, in guy mode, even though I lived there, at least had my outs from time to time where I can be me. But for those six weeks, two months, two and a half months, I think the hormone therapy is the only thing that kept me above my head above water. And oh my gosh, I cried so much. I don't think I cried more than I did last year. But I understood the urgency to want to get that done in the last year. And I really wish I could have gone all out. Yeah. And it's and, and it's as hard, especially with my position. Our church has got it. And I'm fighting an obligation of do I need to make sure this is rebuilt or not? I wonder if in closing, if you would like to say anything. So again, you know, this is recorded. Most likely will be kept um, if we if we if you choose to donate it. So if you can imagine somebody watching this in 30 years, is there something that you want some final thought you'd like to leave them with, with what it means to be trans for you right now? Like in this time and in this place here, in the early 21st century and in Southwest Louisiana. Self-acceptance is a beautiful thing. The journey is long and hard, but it's worth it. I think better days are coming. I'm thankful that future generations don't have to grow up in the ignorance. I, if I had the resources today, 30 years ago when I was in college, I think my life would be different. Take advantage of what's out there. Take advantage of the resources. Take advantage of the knowledge base. Take advantage of those who have gone through the struggle and the journey and let them pour into you. And when it's all said and done, just be you. Be yourself, be real and true to yourself. And I think that's a fine place to end it. You can read more from our interview, including our early thoughts on the new president. This was recorded, after all, the day after the inauguration at louisianatransoralhistory.org. Since this recording, I'm so happy to have learned that Danny is no longer a Baptist pastor. She is now serving in a Presbyterian USA church, which I'm delighted to hear is much, much more progressive and inclusive. Before we hear the song of the month, let me just give a very big appreciation to Caroline Ziegler for her editorial work for this episode. Let me also thank the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities for the funds that made this interview transcript possible. We thank our transcriptionist, Dre Tarleton. Our theme music was composed and performed by Daisy Ray. Today's show, for better or worse, was mixed, recorded, and hosted by me, Sophia Ziegler. And a giant, giant thank you, of course, to Danny for being part of our project. As I mentioned at the top of the program, so much of what we do depends on the support of patrons. If you like our work, you can find us at patreon.com slash Louisiana Trans Oral History. All funds are reinvested in the community. This is how we pay the musicians for the use of their work. This is how we pay for ongoing interview transcripts. And I love that everyone we give money to is part of the trans and gender non-conforming community. 
This episode's featured song is Beautiful Heartbeats by Lola Jean Darling, an indigenous trans woman living in New Orleans. I hope you enjoy it. I know I do. Be safe out there, everyone. We'll be back next month with a brand new episode.